In this episode, I interviewed Justin Richardson, who is a physio and rehab coach at Athletes Authority. The main topic of this podcast was the sports medicine, sports performance continuum for athletes, and Justin's opinions on all of this topic. So again, this podcast is not necessarily talking about the general population and the systems there. It's talking about the best for athletes specifically. So in this podcast, we talk about how Justin feels the system isn't working the best way it could, his ideas of how it should better be improved what they do at athletes authority and how they kind of can make this continuum to where they allow more time to spend with their athletes to get better results the integration of rehab and performance so for rehab athletes they're not just doing their specific rehab but they're also doing things to help them stay in shape so they can get back on the field better the major gap between being done with physio again and then returning to their sport so being able to either upscale if you're a physio and get their snc or making sure if you're an athlete you're doing the physio but then making sure you're getting that end stage rehab stuff to return to sport and performance and not re-injure yourself justin's major focuses he has on his athletes since he gets to spend more time with them trying to return them to performance how he gets athletes to buy in or how he convinces athletes that doing this extra will be better for them and then how they allow athletes to train together and work together to still build that team atmosphere, but still individualizing the programs to help best suit them. So great episode, uh, whether you're an athlete, strength and conditioning coach, physio, or anyone in those type of fields. Yeah, here it is. Welcome to No Weak Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up-to-date, evidence-based content and knowledge through life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, strength and conditioning coaches, rehab professionals, or anyone in the sports performance or sports medicine industry. So please, have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to No Week Links. I'm your host, Patrick Wood, and today I have on Justin Richardson, who is a physio and rehab coach at Athletes Authority down in Sydney. The main topic we're going to talk about today is just the physio strength and conditioning industry um, and ways that I think it could be improved upon. So I appreciate you being on, Justin. At first, if you just want to give a little background upon yourself, um, education-wise, current position and past positions you've had, and then we can kind of go from there. Yep, no worries. Thanks for having me on, Pat. Um, so I am originally from Sydney. I then went down to uh, Canberra to the ACT to do an undergraduate degree in physiotherapy. I did that for four years between 2014-2017. Then moved back to Sydney when I finished my degree and took up a role in just sort of your typical private practice uh, in Sydney. The private practice was was linked to a semi-professional rugby union team, so that's sort of how I got my first exposure um, in in the sporting world, apart from just some volunteer gigs that I did whilst I was at uni, but that was sort of my real first proper crack at it. Um, following on from that, I managed to uh, get a part-time role with the uh, with the Cronulla Sharks in their academy system for listeners that don't know who they are. They're, um, they're an NRL team, so a rugby league side based down in the, uh, in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney. So I spent, um, I spent a season there learning a lot off... Um, off the the NRL staff and the rest of the academy staff was a really integrated model, so I, I really got to take a lot out of that from not only the um, the physio side of things, but the head of performance there, Andrew Gray, had a really um, sort of big ethos on making sure that every clinician was integrated into sort of all forms of um, high performance. So you weren't just the physio; you were also had your your feet in the in the 
water of, of S&C and if you were S&C you'd also be doing rehab so everyone sort of was up to speed with all the different aspects of high performance um, and I got to spend a lot of time not only in the academy but also around the first grade squad which was good. Um, from there I took up a role um, with, a, with a women's rugby league side in the uh, top women's uh, rugby league competition in New South Wales um, and that was uh, another challenge in itself for me because that was a little bit more uh, independent so I had to sort of uh, create my own systems um, around both uh, athlete development as well as athlete rehabilitation and um, and managing the the medical side of things so that was a, that was a good um, experience for me taking on a program um, after that I moved on when I got uh, offered a role with the South Sydney Rabbitohs and I was working in their pathways program. So I was with their reserve grade and under 20 system. Um, and then that sort of led me into the, the role that I'm in now, which is a athletes authority. So for what, uh, for your listeners that don't know what athletes authority is, we're a private sporting performance facility in our time in Sydney. Um, the way that I like to describe it is we're, we're less like a gym and we're more like a, um, an institute of sport, but in the private sector. So we, we manage and look after athletes and, uh, and all the aspects that comes with that. So it's not just athletes rocking up and they'll, they'll train in a gym class. They'll, they'll get completely individualized programming. If they're injured, they'll get, um, looked after in regards to their initial acute management from the physio side of things, as well as their entire rehabilitation process. Um, and then we'll also link them in with our preferred network of doctors, surgeons, specialists. Um, and yeah, that's been, that's sort of where I'm at now. Um, and I, I've known those guys for quite a long time. I did a paid mentorship program with them in my new grad year. So they taught me pretty much uh, most of what I know about sort of systems in regards to strength and conditioning. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much my life to now, mate, and I'm just busy as busy as always, um, keeping keeping my athletes nice and healthy. Yeah, definitely, and that's a lot of experience, kind of in that high performance model, like you said. So, um, yeah, the first question I guess we're just going to talk about here would be just how you have on the physio or the physio system in Australia, uh, and kind of your opinion on it, uh, integrated with S and C and taking care of athletes the best way. Because I know you have a couple of opinions on um, what you think could be done better in general yeah absolutely so i mean again it's very different in every single country but the the physio system in australia and again for any sort of international listeners um that might be sort of uh, tuning in is really based upon the private sector working around what was a very old system that had been built around an outpatient hospital setting where in an outpatient hospital setting, if you got injured or if you had an issue, um, you would obviously ring up the, the outpatient center. Then you'd get put on a list. You'd go in and you'd see the physio. Um, they would give you some advice, maybe some things to do at home. Um, and then you would be put on another waiting list and you'd come back within sometimes a week, sometimes it'd be a couple of weeks. Um, and then it would just, you'd go along that sort of cycle. Now for whatever, um, reason when the private model and when physios in Australia became primary contact practitioners, so it meant that, um, you don't have to have a doctor's referral to come and see a physio for whatever reason, when that private model started taking off, when more physios started graduating, we really fell down this pathway where it just was the same, where, as 
a person would come in to see a physio. Um, you'd get an assessment, you'd get some treatment, um, you'd get some exercises to do at home and that would be given to you on the spot. Um, and then you would go away and you would do that yourself um, and you'd be in charge of all of that and the, they would have no contact with you until the next time that you came in, which the typical time frame for a lot of physios is one week and then that was it. And you would get a half an hour slot in front of your... Um, your practitioner, sometimes 40 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes, really depends on the different business model that um, people want to work with. But you just get that one one little time slot in front of your therapist every week, and you'd have to go through everything in that time slot, and there would be no other contact made. And look, that's fine for, um, say, more older people or d- depending on the condition for some conditions. But in regards to athlete management and r- sports rehabilitation, it really has been proven to not work in to be able to say that you can cover absolutely everything that you need in regards to coaching an athlete through what they need to do in regards to programming for the athlete accurately periodize the program give them exactly what they need um and to be able to a know that they're doing it and b um make sure that they're doing it well and consistently to be able to to say that you can do that in 30 minutes is absolutely flawed. So to me, my personal opinion is that the current model of the the physio system in Australia, particularly for athletes, is absolutely broken and it is something that needs to change. Yeah, and I think even in the US, granted they have a slightly different profession called athletic trainers which work with them and that's more of you always have the contact to them. But even if they have that private practice model outside, it's, it's still the same setup. You know, you're going to go in get your whatever however long they deem session and then you're going to have that week off as well so yeah i definitely agree on that just i guess what would you say um either how would you like to go about fixing that the best way to get around that or and then maybe we can go in a little bit more about kind of how athletes authority manages that um but obviously there's not always going to be an athlete's authority everywhere so how can athletes get the best out and the practitioners kind of make the best thing happen for for both yeah of course um and like Full disclaimer, I'm not suggesting by any way, shape or form when we do go down the path to describe what we do that that's the the best way to go about things. I mean, I think it works pretty well for us, but as you said, that not um, every uh, sort of system and business is going to be set up in a position to work the way that we work. I think the biggest thing that uh, practitioners could take out of um, being able to manage their athletes better is making a connection with an snc coach nearby i think strength and conditioning as a field is highly uh underrated and it's really sort of um just sort of looked upon at the as sort of this little brother it's it's not important or it's really easy and i think a lot of physios think they're really good at it and they're actually awful at it it's not taught well at university and for that reason and i i I will put my hand on my heart and say that for that reason it is why so many athletes are returned to sport severely underdone. And it's, it's, I'm a firm believer that it's one of the reasons why that um, we have such a high re-rupture rate for ACL injuries, purely for the fact of that athletes are sent back out there on the park and they're just so under undercooked. And all they've been doing is chair exercises or TheraBand exercises, a few bodyweight exercises. They've done no sessions in the field. They've done barely any work in the gym or what they have done, they've had to pretty much sort out themselves or the prescription has been so basic that it's it doesn't really represent 
what they're going to have to do from a physiological standpoint on the field. Um, so my number one recommendation would be as, as a clinic, either have your own S&C coach or if you're going to go down um, the, the, the pathway of you don't just deal with athletes, which is also fine because lots of clinics don't just deal with athletes, have an exercise physiologist on site that has a background in strength and conditioning, not one that's just working with chronic diseases, but have an exercise physiologist on site that can really sort of either upskill the practitioners or really take charge of that end-stage rehabilitation. Either that or you you completely integrate like what our model is, and you, you, do, you don't run off a transactional model, which by that I mean person A comes in, pays for service, and then leaves. Um, our model is that we have athletes that pay us on a weekly basis, and they get full access to all of our services. Yeah, no, that's definitely something that gives a lot more contact time, as you said beforehand, so that's going to be a lot more beneficial um, for the athlete and not just having that 30-minute contact and then having that integration and ability to kind of um, you know work together. So do you have uh, maybe talk a little bit about how the physios and SNCs kind of work together in your model and kind of how um, you guys work together to make the best care for the athlete, whether that be through rehab or just in general? Yeah, awesome. So probably the best way to do that is to talk you through step-by-step the process of uh, what happens when a new athlete comes on board. Um, so whether they contact us through the website, whether they're a walk-in referral, um, doesn't really matter sort of how they reach us. Uh, they will, we will try to organize for them to do some uh, performance testing first. Now, if they're just a, um, if they're just here for the performance program, they're not carrying any sort of injury or searching for any rehabilitation, then they will stay, everyone still goes through a 15 minute verbal screen with our, uh, one of our physios. So it's, that's either me or our other, our lead physio, who's a um, APA sports physio, Alan Robinson. Um, I'll go through a 15 minute verbal screen just to make sure that it's that that's purely just to, to make sure that there's no red flags for the performance testing, that they can do that safely. So they'll do their performance testing. Um, and then after that, they'll sit down we'll go through scheduling. We'll go through goals. We'll go through that, all that sort of, um, stuff afterwards Um, if they're a rehab athlete uh, we'll work out what parts of the performance testing they can do and then where they're at at their um at their rehab stage we'll do the physios will do a whiteboarding session with them to sort of map out what the next sort of stages of their rehab is going to look like now once that they are confirmed if they are it let's assume that they're a rehab athlete they will come on board and they will have a managing physio um and a managing SNC coach. Um, sometimes it will just be the managing physio if there's enough contact time in front of the physio. For example, I run rehab uh, sessions in the gym, so a lot of my athletes um, I will just take on myself, but sometimes we'll split that between another SNC coach to sort of share the burden a bit. Um, and then we'll build out their program, and then say, for example, based on their scheduling, they want to be, they can only make it in three days a week, they will come in and they will do uh, an integrated model of both their performance program um, and their rehab program in that three days. And if they need to do extra stuff at home, that will be given to them and it's delivered via um, an app called Team Builder. Um, But most of the time, uh, there's enough contact points available 
that they're either doing their integrated performance and rehab in front of the SNC coaches, or they're doing their rehab in front of me in the rehab gym sessions. Um, and if they require uh, any sort of field-based rehab, which pretty much all lower limb injuries do, then they'll do that in front of me in, my, in uh, our rehab field sessions. So it, it's pretty much they get they don't have to take on the burden of doing uh, any of it themselves. And I know the counter-argument is going to be, well, how does that develop um, the athlete's ability to look after themselves? And Look, that's spot on. I understand that there is an that there is an element that athletes need to take ownership of their rehab, but they also need big support systems. And we found this out really massively during the lockdown period of COVID, where we had to divvy our gym up. We split it all up into home gym packs um, and gave it out to our athletes and went to sort of online uh, an online system of programming, uh, where we everyone was stoked at having the home gym at first, probably for like the first three days. And then afterwards, they really struggled to do things themselves. Now, if you're getting a healthy person struggling to do things themselves, imagine when you're adding rehabilitation into that mix where a lot of the stuff, particularly early stage, isn't exciting. Um, It's mundane, it's repetitive. So they need those support systems to make sure that they maintain consistency with their rehab um, and that they maintain the execution of their rehab. Um, And so that's sort of key pillar number one. And then key pillar number two is that I really think that we underestimate as professionals how important the actual coaching aspect is in regards to the way that athletes move, particularly if we're talking lower limb injuries such as uh, ACLs or uh, groin pain rehabilitation, even for even ankle, even ankle injuries. The way that the athlete moves, change direction, change changes direction, cuts is really important, and they need in instant feedback. So what I do at a lot of my field sessions is I'll actually film them on my iPhone. I like, and it's really simple. I'll just use slow mo filming, and as they're resting in between drills, I'll actually show them and I'll look, I'll point, I'll point it out to them and go, look at, look at how your trunk is laterally flexing as you change, as you reactively change, or look at your heel contact as you're going into this Y cut. Like if they're doing that themselves, how are they going to fucking know? Like, it's just, it's, it's, we just can't expect them to know that. Um, so like that's even going above and beyond because I know the majority of, um, physiotherapy practices in a, in Sydney at least, but probably Australia wouldn't even take their clients, clients, patients, whatever you want to call them, to a field. It's just a session in the gym. You do uh, some basic outcome measures. You give them some basic exercises, um, and then they have to go do it themselves. And then the other factor of it is, and our athletes are really receptive to this, is that when we see them and we want to make changes to their program, that takes time. Like you can't be expected to whip out the world's best program for them in the last 10 minutes of your consult. Like no one, like the fact that we even think that that is plausible is ridiculous. So when we do assessments um, on our athletes, like we, we take that information and we go away and we'll spend time building out the program for them. And they understand that. Um, and then following on from that, all of our rehab athletes get a dedicated one-on-one physio session every week. So they get access to all their strength and conditioning coaches. They get access to me in the rehab gym and on the rehab field sessions. And then they get access to their physio once a week. And then uh, once per week, our staff meet 
um, and we go through our entire list of athletes to discuss where they're at, what their outcome measures are, uh, are they hitting their uh, objective criteria to progress forward, or if they're a performance athlete, are they just ticking along nicely? Doesn't matter if they're rehab or not. We go through everyone um, to make sure that there's really there's no the, the nobody's falls through the cracks. Yeah, and that's uh, the model. Definitely integrate integration of everything and making sure looking at the athletes the best is the main care, and um, that's definitely good to see. I like how you talked a little bit about, uh, or maybe can you talk a little bit about more uh, the importance of you talked about having your rehab athletes. It's not just rehab; you have the integration of the rehab, but you also have them working on something forward, like um, for performance wise too. And I feel like a lot of times when they do go to the physio, they'll, it'll just be. Um, you know, like here's these exercises to fix your one injury and not keep you in shape to when you come on back. Yeah, for sure. Um, like for example, we've got a uh, a guy at the moment in our in our group that he recently had a pec tendon rupture and he's been surgically repaired. He's in a sling. He's in the gym still almost every day, either working on we've we've modified his performance program so that it's all unilateral. Um, for his upper body lifts or for his lower body lifts, we've changed the vectors. So it pr- pretty much means that he can get his lower limb loading um, without having to compromise his affected limb in the sling. Um, and where he's just does he does his off-feet conditioning work. Like the, the worst thing that you can do in that time, and it, it happens when surgeons be like, oh, you can't do anything for six weeks. The actual worst thing is to not do anything for six weeks. So we'll either modify their program um, or... And I'm probably not the best person to talk to about this. It's the best person to chat to about it is Lockie, is we have a systems-based approach for training individualization. So if an athlete needs some rehabilitation exercises or what we like to call resilience exercises put into their program, but they're not necessarily full rehab, that will go into their program substituted out for uh for possible other exercises because say for example if they're an athlete with groin issues we may need to work on some some groin work or some hip abductor work or some trunk work and we put that in there instead of other exercises which would traditionally be your more filler based exercises we still hit our key lifts and then our supplementaries and accessories become the specifics for what the athlete needs based on their injury profile or if they have no injury profile what's going to impact their sports performance the most. Yeah, so taking the taking a general strength and conditioning program and still making it a strength and conditioning program but just individualizing it to the athlete to tailor to the rehab and tailor to anything that you try um, to pre- or decrease injury risk. Um, I like how maybe talk a little bit about too because we mentioned you touched on it before um, you know, physio is just giving those uh, lighter exercises or not doing the field work um, or progressing further on. So that massive gap you have between, um, you know, done with the general physiotherapy to actually ha- being able to return to sport and how big, like, or what that difference is really. Yeah. Well, I mean, in regards to what's sort of done is that far often or more often than not, athletes are just given uh, a list of exercises that are done with bands or done with light dumbbells or their prescriptions are they're just doing like high, higher reps, uh, lower sets, or they, they might do a little bit of landing work, cutting, like it, it's, a, it's a bit of a vague question, but there's a very poor transition between, well, say, for example, if we're talking about uh, a knee injury, um, whether that be an ACL, meniscus, whatever, whatever you want. Well, let's just talk about knee injuries in general. 
you can substitute that for anything else. Physios are very good at developing capacity in giving basic exercises to develop capacity, but very poor at uh, working across what would be a traditional force velocity curve and hitting the rest of the curve. So hitting your power, your strength speed, your speed strength, um, your max strength. They're very poor at giving prescriptions, whether that be from the actual exercises themselves or by um, the the sets and reps and the amount of times that the athlete needs to do it to be able to tick off the markers that will give the athlete the ability to return to sport confidently. And I, I think that that can't be stressed enough. Additionally, even from our own scope, because we, we, we can't expect physios to be expert strength and conditioning coaches. That's unless they want to then move from their original training down a specialized strength and conditioning field and do all their training there. We can't expect every physio to be a strength and conditioning expert, but the... Even in our own field, I don't think we're good enough at developing enough robust um, exit criteria for athletes as they move into the later stages. We're very good early, but we're very poor as a profession later on. We think, oh, this person can single leg calf raise 20 times. Good on you. Return to sport. Like, like we're, we're, there's, there's just no... like. There's, there's no connection between, well, yes, that person can do that, but that's actually such a poor, like such a low level. And to, to be honest, I think a big reason for it is I see a lot of physios that just don't participate in sport. And it, like it sounds really simple, but if you participate in a sport and you are an athlete yourself, you really understand how, um, how much you need to be able to do to be able to do that sport well versus if you're inactive you're just the person standing in a pair of chinos some rm williams and a button-up shirt and all you do is you just go to the gym and you jump on the lap pull down machine and the leg press you're not going to understand what an athlete needs to get back to their sport in in regards to being able to cut well cut fast um push off at speed, be, take contact, be able to, even integration of skills drills. Like I, if, in, if any case, like if you, if you have no interest in participating in strength and conditioning training, go and either watch more sport or participate in more sport and you'll understand how hard it is for, for athletes to do what they do and we need to respect that more. Yeah, I, and I think... Um, just maybe talk a little bit about kind of building off of that. You're, do you have any main focuses you try to focus on since you get more time with the athlete on like just a general kind of outpatient setting when or private practice where an athlete comes in? Do you, what are your main focuses with the fact that you get more time to spend with athletes? Yep. So the main, obviously, like I spend a lot of time away from them doing the programming. So once that's sort of done, that's done. Um, the actual just coaching element, making sure that athletes are doing things well, not just going through the motions. If we're going through dangerous space work um, for the shoulder, for example, by dangerous space work, I mean you might get them jumping on a TRX doing some IYT positions um, it, that which really sort of challenges that um, anterior capsule um in long lever positions, which replicates the dislocation position, I'll make sure that they're actually getting out there producing that force rather than just being in this stable safe zone because they're naturally going to want to do that. Um, if I'm on the field with an athlete, again, it's less about taking them through reps and it's le- it's far less about the program on paper, which sounds a bit contradictory because I've spoken a lot about 
programming world, but it's far less about the program on paper uh, and much more about the execution. So I'll slow things down. I'll even, if I'm at the field and I have a planned session, if I, I'll, I'll prioritize things. So if I want to work on, say, um, a lateral change of direction, just a, in a closed environment, uh, not reactive, but I put a constraint above them, if that's my priority for the session and I go, yep, I want to do that well, then if they're doing it and they're not doing it well, I'll almost bin the lower priority things. It's not like, oh, I, I need to get through all of this. It's like, well, no, I need to do this well. So far more of it is slowing things down, working on the coaching side of things um, and progressing and regressing on the fly. And I, I use a lot of constraints, whether that's um, – whether that's bands, sticks overhead. Uh, sometimes if I'm working on a stiffness drill, ankle stiffness drills uh, at, the, at the park on the field, I will, I'll put things in front of them to make sure they don't get a knee translation so they're not using any sort of hip and quad to, pr- to produce that force. Or uh, what I've done is I, I, sometimes is I'll set a grid up around them because another compensation strategy is not only the, the forward knee translation, but they'll hit the ground and they'll also go backwards. So I set a grid that they can't go out of or even further, I'll stand behind them. So I use a lot of um, constraints. I use a lot of tactile feedback. If I've got an athlete in the gym and I'm trying to teach them how to do a hip lock, I'll physically, if they're not doing it well, I'll put my hands on their ass and I'll move them. So I, I do a lot of <laughs> hands-on work, but it's not hands-on work. It's it's working them through to make sure that they're doing things well. As I mentioned before, I do a lot of filming um, so they get real-time feedback and we'll break it down. We'll, we'll slow it right down and we'll take it. Th- I'll take them through it numerous times, film them numerous times. Uh, cause I, I really think that is invaluable in regards to feedback. It's not just about what we write down on the paper, but it's what we, what we show and educate our athletes about how they move. Yeah, definitely. And being like coaching, as you said, I think being having the ability to watch them and change workouts in, on the fly if needed to best uh, benefit the athlete um, is something that you can't get obviously when you're not there with them the whole time so obviously probably when you're there doing that they're obviously bought in and wanting to um, continue doing that but how do you get them is it or is it hard or how do you get athletes in general to buy into i guess that whole model of i want to come in and work with you all the time instead of just you know here's your drills, you can go do them outside, or here's your rehab, you can go do that outside of that 30 minutes. So how do I get them to buy into coming and seeing me all the time? Yeah, is it, is it that challenging, or is it most of them would rather have that anyway, or is there anything you incorporate? Most of them are, most of them are pretty happy with that because, like, to be honest, I, I've never run into a, an issue of someone complaining about more contact time. If anything, they just feel like that they're getting better value for their investment because they're investing in your services. They're not re- I don't really like to call it spending money. They're investing their money in yeah. your expertise and your services. So to be like most people are very receptive to spending more time um, in front of you. And then like they, they might do other things out, outside. If, they, if they're with a team, they might want to do, do a team session or things like that. We're cool with that. Like We understand that it's not this controlled environment completely like professional sport where they only do what they do in front of us. We're, we're cool with that, and we adjust things on the fly for them. And we'll go, hey, yeah, if, you, if your team's doing a training session, we'll adjust your program for tomorrow and we'll get you doing more of a recovery day or more of just your rehab work if they are a rehab athlete. Again, depending on the sort of the spectrum – of rehab that they're, that they're in. Um, 
But, yeah, I've never had any issues of, of athletes finding it hard to come in. The ones that find it hard to come in, and, like, again, it's not perfect. We, we have people that fall away, um, and we, we do our very best to we'll, – we'll always be messaging them. We'll always be doing our best to make sure they come in. And if, if people fall away, people fall away, mate. Like, you can't, you can't, win, the, you can't win every battle, um, put it that way. But I think the biggest thing is that we just – even if it's just communication via message, we're always giving – what we're always giving our athletes what they need like for example we had one just uh last night that hurt himself in one of his soccer matches and he messaged his uh, he was a performance athlete he messaged his snc coach that got put into our whatsapp chat um so i i went in there on i went in there this morning had a look at him um and he needed an mri so got in touch with the specialist via text message i'm very lucky that for um, particular knee specialist, I've got his assistant, um, I've got access to his assistant via text message, texted her, organized MRI locked in for tomorrow and appointment with him locked in tomorrow. So that's an athlete that's getting hurt and within 48 hours has physio review, MRI scan booked, completed and a review with a specialist. Like that's very, that's professional sport level. And it's also those kind of things that I think that we can't be expecting people to in the sort of the amateur and semi-professional sporting world to undertake themselves because the system's just so bad that they'll just get lost. Like they will get, if they have to do it themselves, then because if you're a physio, if you're referring for an MRI, it costs $300 for a knee, assuming it's a knee. But if they're, if they get it from the GP, then it's bulk build if they're querying meniscus or an AC or an acute meniscus or an ACL. So then you have to tell them to go to a GP and then you don't know if the GP's actually switched on. They could be an idiot. And so you don't know whether they're going to write them the referral. Then they have to book their own appointment. Then they have to call the uh, the surgeon's rooms themselves and book the appointment themselves versus a few text messages all done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's good. Like I said, professional service pretty much. So it's, that's definitely something you guys probably have as well. Uh, what what um, would you say is most of the sessions that you do with the people, is it a one-on-one or can it be kind of a group session or is it kind of like you have multiple people working out in the gym or on the field together and you're kind of floating around kind of checking on everyone or is it just dependent upon who's there and so on? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so we have allocated time slots for, for the performance program, we have allocated time slots where athletes book into, where it's a maximum of 15 that come in. Um, and then we'll have our SNC coaches and we also run a, we run a strong internship program. So we'll have some of our interns there as well. And we usually have a coach to athlete ratio of around uh, one to three to one to five. Um, everyone does a, the, a warm up together. It's what we call our release grease prime to get our athletes moving, and then they'll break off into their individualized programs, training with other athletes, which keeps the real social and competitive aspect about it. Um, but then also have our coaches giving live feedback. Now, if you're coming to a rehab session, they've got a maximum of five that can come. And again, there's myself that leads it as well as an intern that's with me. Um, and we'll do the same thing. We'll go through the, they'll go through the warm up and look, if they can't do certain things, we'll modify that for them. So it looks a little bit different to when, um, the performance athletes are in, but 
uh, yeah, they'll go through the warm up together and then they'll split off again and do their program. But because there's less of them, there's far less of them, it allows um, much more closer attention on them. Yeah, so then, yeah, and you, like you said, the cohesiveness of everyone and kind of having those people to work together um, kind of helps build, you know, just the athletes camaraderie and working with other people, but also then you have that individualization that you use for each athlete, correct? Yep. Awesome. Well, I know I have to head off a little bit here. So do you have just some final main points um, uh, on this topic that you'd like to share? What are the main messages you want people to take home? Probably the main messages that I want people to take home is like I'm assuming your target or your the majority of your audience is, is sort of S&C coaches or is it more physios? Uh, it's really just it's sports medicine, sports performance, athletes, kind of anyone interested in listening, yeah. Okay, so if it, I'll split it off here into different categories. If you're – my message is if you're a physio, either upskill yourself, take the time to upskill yourself. And I mean I mean properly upskill yourself. Don't just do an ASCA level one, which don't get me wrong. I love I love ASCA. Um, the ASCA level one is great, but it's like any level one course. It does what it does. It, it just covers the basics. Probably upskill yourself in S&C or find yourself a mentor um, that, that's high up in the S&C world, be willing to pay for their time and, and expertise to help upskill you. Um, if you. That's if you want to do it yourself. If you, if you don't want to do it yourself, that's fine. Um, branch out and make a relationship with a local S&C coach um, who you think you can build a good relationship with that can help you um, possibly take on some of the the end stage rehabilitation for your athletes. Um, so that's my advice and message for physios. Um, and spend more time doing things that other practitioners aren't. So spend more time at the field. Spend more time programming. Um, give give them better services so then they get the results that they deserve. Uh, my message probably for S and C coaches would be there is a really really big opportunity present at the moment like as snc the field if you're not in sport or to be honest even if you are in sport unless you're right at the top level um the one of the big problems at the moment is and it's going around is the being taken advantage of or there's not not much money well you have an entire world of uh of injured athletes in the amateur and semi-professional level that it, and it's just crying out for better end stage rehabilitation, so go into go into some of your local physios and market yourself, and and work out some form of arrangement where they can the physio can send the person to you f for some for some services during their end stage rehabilitation. Now, what that looks like, I can't give you the answer for that, but I just think there's such a big window of opportunity for S and C coaches at the moment to really grab this end stage re rehab and and make it their own um and it, it'll only benefit both parties so that's my advice for um for coaches and then my advice for athletes would be find yourself if you're about to undertake uh, a long-term rehab now if you've just hurt your if you've just hurt your your, your back or or something really minor, that's fine. You can probably get away with it. But if you're un going about to undertake any form of long-term rehab, particularly surgical rehab, find yourself um, either a physio or a, a a practice or a business that is really good with not only just the acute stage but the end stage 
Um, don't you, if, if you're, if the physio clinic that you're walking into doesn't even have a gym, just walk right out and, <laughs> and go somewhere else because then they're just not going to be able to give you the attention that you need. Um, and make sure that they have worked with athletes before. Don't just go into your general, like do some, do some proper searching. Don't just go to the place down the road because you're actually, because you're spending some decent money on this. So make sure you do it right. Um, so do that or um, find a, once you get to that sort of stage where you're out of your acute stage of rehab, if you're, if most of your programming is done in the gym, then I just borderline would switch and go away from the physio and find an, an exercise physiologist, an S&C coach to do majority of it. You can still check back in, but if they're doing all your programming and it's just stuff written on a piece of paper, then it's probably not really well thought out. Um, but the best point of call would be to find a place where they either have an integrated model um, or they're upskilled enough to be able to take you all the way from the end. Don't just accept that, like, oh, well, physios do rehab, so I'm going to spend all my time here. Yeah, awesome. Great points in all for all three of those. Uh, thanks again for being on, Justin. Really appreciate it. If you want to um, share where people can follow you um, or if they want to contact you for anything, if they're from listening in Sydney, um, you can put the, share those here and then I'll put them in the show notes for you. Yeah, no worries. So people can find me uh, mainly on Instagram. My Instagram handle is jrehab underscore. Um, alternatively, um, if you're not following uh, Athletes Authority on Instagram, please do. Uh, we like to give out a lot of really good content to both coaches and athletes to, to look after themselves. Um, I've got to place a lot of big thanks on uh, one of the big, my big mentors, uh, Lockie Wilmot, who his Instagram handle is Performance Coach Wilmot. Um, and the other one would be our current lead physio, Alan Robinson. So he's just alanrobinson.sportsphysio um, or alanr.sportsphysio, I think. So um, if you're not following any of those, please do so. They're, they're great minds, great practitioners. Um, and then if you, if, you, if you have any questions, just send me a DM on Instagram. I'm always on my phone. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks again. No worries, mate. Thank you for listening to No Week Links. If you've enjoyed the show and would be able to leave a five-star review on iTunes, that would be much appreciated as it would help the show reach more people. I also provide free strength and conditioning and injury and rehabilitation content on Instagram at Coach Patrick Wood, on Facebook at Coach Patrick Wood, on Twitter at Coach Patty Wood, and on my website www.patrick-wood.com. All of this can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening.